If you're tuning into this podcast, it shows you care a great deal about your child's health. So I want to share with you my video course on nutrient supplementation for children that I just published on udemy.com. If you check the description of this episode for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list, as soon as you sign up, I'm going to send you a voucher so that you can get this video course for free. And in the course, I'm going to discuss the most important supplements for children and how to pick quality supplements, how to avoid poor quality ingredients, how to avoid potentially harmful extra ingredients, and basically how to steer clear of the marketing ploys designed to sell us inferior quality supplements. So I hope that you get value out of this course. I'm sure that if you apply the knowledge you learn in it, you will save not just time researching these supplements, but also money. And most importantly, you will get the best quality supplements that your budget will allow so that you can provide your child with the nutritional support that they need. So check out the description for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list. And as I said, as soon as you sign up, I'll send you the the coupon to get the course for free. And if you do sign up, please let me know how you find it. If there's any other information you would like me to include or any other feedback, I would be very grateful if you could send me that. Thank you. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about mold and mycotoxins in autism. Now, this is an area of research that is emerging in the last few years. There are some studies that are definitely finding links between mycotoxin exposure and autism. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of a primer on what mold and mycotoxins are, how they can potentially be harmful to, to us, and certain signs and symptoms that you can look out for that may indicate um, you know, f- further investigation is uh, needed, and some basics around what a mold protocol would look like in case that is um, something that, are, that is affecting your child. So first things first, mold are fun- fungi or fungi. So they're the fungi, f- uh, it's not a family, but it's like a class of organisms that includes mold, yeast, like so candida is a yeast, but it's also of the this fungi class. And also um, just mushrooms that we eat, they're also fungi. So mold is a part of this overall class of organisms. So mold are extremely prevalent in the environment uh, and mycotoxins are basically the toxins that are produced by the mold. So myco comes from, again, like mushroom. Think of it that way. And the mold secrete these toxins that we'll get into in a second that can, obviously we can inhale them. They can be in the food, uh, the water, and so on. And we, they basically enter our body where they do all sorts of damage. And here's the thing, mycotoxins are very often heat resistant, so they can survive the cooking and manufacturing process. So uh, another thing to know is, for example, in the EU, about 20% of all grains tested that have been harvested have been found to be contaminated with mycotoxins. That's one-fifth of all grains in the EU. So to to say that mycotoxins are prevalent is an understatement. They are actually the most prevalent toxin in our environment, even more so than 
chemical and heavy metal toxins. So some of the way mycotoxins can contribute to ill health include they're toxic to our cells, they can cause mitochondrial dysfunction, they can damage the DNA, and this DNA damage has been shown to be carcinogenic, so cancer-causing. The uh, mycotoxins can suppress the immune system. This can increase our vulnerability to other pathogenic organisms. They can be toxic to the kidneys, the liver, other organs. They can contribute to oxidative stress. They can damage the gut barrier and increase intestinal permeability. They can deplete the antioxidant glutathione, which can lead to impaired detoxification capacity. And certain mold species can produce oxalate crystals. So these are crystals that um, they just can be formed in various parts of the body, including the organs, the bones, and so on. And they can cause a lot of pain and discomfort. So the two risks with mold are that not only can the fungi themselves infect and colonize us, they can get into our airways, they, obviously they can get into our gut, but then they also secrete the mycotoxins. So they can produce mycotoxins inside us. And they can also produce just, um, you know, if they're on your ceiling or in your house, they produce the mycotoxins and then we're breathing them all day long. So the most common mycotoxins are produced by several families of mold. So Aspergillus is the most prevalent species uh, or the most prevalent species in their environment. So the most common way to get exposed to the mycotoxins Aspergillus produce is simply breathing in an indoor environment that has mold growing in it. Though their spores are tiny, so when we breathe them, they can get all the way down to our lower airways. This is why chronic mold exposure can be very difficult to deal with. So the some of the mycotoxins that Aspergillus species produce are okra toxin A and aflatoxins. Okra toxin A is by far the most common mycotoxin in the environment. Now, as I also said, Aspergillus, they can actually produce these oxalate crystals. So if you ever run an organic acid test on your child, you may see oxalates are elevated. This is a very common problem for autistic children. So this is another reason why the organic acids test is very helpful to us to identify if oxalates are an issue for your child. Now, other kinds of molds, uh, for example, fusarium can grow on grains such as corn, wheat, rice, and barley. They produce um, other mycotoxins like fumonicins, zeoralanone. Now, this particular one resembles estrogen, the sex hormone, so it can give it estrogenic properties, as well as it, it's also harmful to the liver, the DNA, the immune system. But because it has estrogenic properties, it can kind of wreak havoc in boys' um, sexual development, basically, because it can estrogen, obviously, too much estrogen or anything that messes with the hormonal system can definitely lead to altered sexual maturation and, and things like that. So definitely not something you want your child being exposed to. And as I said, the fusarium mold, they grow in various types of grain, including corn, wheat, rice, and barley. Penicillium is the blue-green mold that grows on fruits and vegetables and in indoor environments. They can also contaminate certain seeds and grains. And these also produce this okrotoxin A. So this is, again, 
the most common mycotoxin in our environment. And then there's stachybotrys, which is that greenish-black mold that you may have seen grow on things like drywall, paper, wood, uh, wood composites, fiberboard, ceiling tiles. These usually grow in higher humidity environments. So that's a little bit of a primer on mold um, and a couple of the mycotoxins they produce. Obviously, there's there's more mycotoxins. We won't really get into the names here. It's not important to, to know the names now, but it's what's important is to be aware of mycotoxins, that it's not a myth that people, people are, certain people are more sensitive to mycotoxins. The, the, what little research we have on mold and mycotoxins in autism definitely shows that certain children are affected. And it's a fact of life that this is the most common, uh, uh, they are the most common toxin in, in our environment. Northern environments, more damp, dark environments, they, there's a lot of places around the world where mold is an issue. So as I already alluded to it, there there is mycotoxin testing out there. Now, I don't recommend that you just go out and do a mycotoxin test uh, because, of course, it costs money and it's not the cheapest thing. And you want to have some clues whether or not mycotoxin testing is a good idea in your child's case. So what what are the several scenarios where mycotoxin testing would be wise? So for example, number one is if your home has been damaged, water damaged in the past or shows signs of mold accumulation. So if you have visible mold in the house, or your house has been water damaged, or part of it has, that's a, now we are in the category of, okay, it it might be a good idea. Now, if your home has poor ventilation and damp areas conducive to, to mold growth, that's another potential reason or potential kind of potential reason to consider it at least. Now, if also, if your child eats foods that are at risk for mold contamination, for example, corn, other grains, peanuts, these are very commonly contaminated with mold. If you do a stool pathogen screen screening, so a poop test, that comes back as negative for pathogens, but your child still has gastrointestinal issues or some other symptoms I'll talk about soon. So if the stool test looks fine, but your child definitely has gastrointestinal problems, then mold also may be implicated. And then finally, when certain markers on the organic acids test are elevated, it's a big clue that mycotoxins could be an issue for your child. And I'll get into that in a second. So in terms of some physical clues, symptoms in your child that could signal mycotoxins could be an issue, these include fatigue, difficulty breathing, rashes, as I said, severe gastrointestinal distress, bleeding, for example, nosebleeds, eye pain, which can manifest as eye poking, muscle or joint pain, pain on urination, bladder irritability, serious neurological or psychiatric symptoms, or a sudden onset of serious neurological or psychiatric symptoms, muscle weakness, problems with coordination or balance, mental fog, confusion, headaches. Obviously, keep in mind that smaller children or nonverbal children, they may, they may not be able to verbalize and express their pain or discomfort with some of these. 
for example, headaches or eye pain, things like that. So uh, a, a sudden increases in irritability, moodiness, aggression, self-injury. These can be a clue that there is some type of discomfort or pain there. So uh, it, it's important to, if something like this happens suddenly, there's an increase in irritability, moodiness, aggression, whatever. It's important to consider factors that may be affecting this. As I've mentioned before, gut dysfunction is a common one that can cause these kind of things. Uh, but also, in some cases, not all the time, mycotoxin exposure or some other toxic exposure can be a factor. Now, in terms of now, in terms of testing for mycotoxins, as I said, I wouldn't recommend it at the outset. You you would need to build build a case for it with symptoms, uh, your your house or your environment being, let's say, uh, damp or water damaged, or you can there's visible mold growing. Those are obviously big clues, especially if your child has certain symptoms like the ones I mentioned. And the other um, very good way to know whether or not mycotoxins could be a problem and warrant further investigation is when you run the Great Plains Labs organic acids test, there are several markers on the test that can signal potential mold toxicity. So four of them are associated with the aspergillus mold, which again is the most common one in the environment. And then there's another one that's associated with mycotoxins produced by molds that predominantly grow on corn and a few other grains. So if those five markers, some of them are at least one or more of them are elevated, it certainly is a clue that further um, investigation is needed. So just to mention, I have no affiliation with the Great Plains Laboratory. I've attended a couple of their workshops and summits to to learn more about their testing, of course, to kind of get the insights from the, the their their best people there. And of course, I I think their their tests are amazing. The organic acids test I recommend as the the number one first test to run on your child. Uh, it's so incredibly useful, not only to to um, check for yeast, candida overgrowth, bacteria, vit uh, vitamin deficiencies, antioxidant deficiencies, uh, energy production problems, mitochondrial dysfunction, uh, potential mitochondrial dysfunction, oxalate, etc. But also those markers that I discuss in my book uh, in chapter three, I, there's a little section on mold and mycotoxins. Um, those markers on the organic acids test, they can also be a big clue if elevated that mold is a problem for your child so this test is just for the price the amount of markers you get you get more than 75 different markers for the value you get to help you improve your child's health is unbelievable it's absolutely unbelievable so this is why this is another thing that the organic acid test can help us with is to see uh, to to it's basically an indicator that mold is a problem for your child and only then, if mold, if those markers are elevated or if one or more are elevated, then you can think about running an actual uh, mycotoxin test. Now, there's a few out there on the market. The best value for money one is actually from the Great Plains Lab again. So uh, their, their test screens for 11 mycotoxins that are produced by 40 species of mold. 
right? And I've, so far, I've not been able to find a test that comes anywhere near the value for money and the quality of, of the markers uh, and the molds it tests for, so and the mycotoxins it tests for. So if all of these align, so like I said, your child has the symptoms I mentioned, or at least some of them, of course, some of those potential mycotoxin indicators on the organic acids tests are elevated. That's another big clue. And then if your child eats grains or foods that are very often contaminated with mycotoxins of so corn, peanuts, other grains, and especially if your house has been water damaged or there's visible mold growing. So if, if enough of those are true in your case, then definitely it's worth running the mycotoxin test from the Great Plains lab. And what I've been told, uh, listening to lectures um, by the director of the lab, Dr. Shaw, is that almost 100% of folks that sh that mold, that, uh, that asperg those aspergillus markers on the organic acid test show as elevated, almost 100% of those that then further run the mycotoxin test will have that ochratoxin A. So there's a great chance that if the mycotoxin indicators on page one of the organic acid tests are elevated, that mycotoxins are going to be an issue. So some really we have some really, really good tools at our disposal to identify whatever health problems your your child could be suffering from. So these are some really good resources. I would highly encourage you to get familiar with the tests offered by the Great Plains Lab, especially organic acids test, especially. But in certain cases, there's even more advanced testing that can be run. So obviously not every child will need this, not every family will have to run this, but especially for more complicated cases, let's say, when there's uh, serious um symptoms, for example, serious neurological symptoms, for example, serious gastrointestinal problems. It's definitely something to keep it at the back of your mind, especially if you live in a region of the world where mold is a problem. Obviously, drier climates won't be as problematic, but more damper, darker, cooler environments, certainly it's something to think about. Now, if, if indeed you find that mold is a problem, mycotoxin exposure is uh, a problem for your child, the typical mold protocol would include antifungal medications or herbal supplements, probiotics, uh, binder supplements that actually absorb the mycotoxins in the gut. So things like charcoal, zeolite clay, and other supplements that can be used in the protocol include the, the antioxidant glutathione, chlorophyllin, and cholestyramine is a common, commonly used addition to a mold protocol. Now, the most important part, of course, is to remove the source of exposure. So this is extremely, extremely important because you could do a mold protocol forever, but if, you, if your child keeps getting reinfected with the molds every day, breathing them in or, or eating the foods that are contaminated with the mold, then that mold protocol will, will will not do very much at all. So that's extremely important. It it's a difficult point to discuss, especially if you do if you do discover that mycotoxins are a problem. Um, obviously, in some cases, the the best thing to do is to move house, and it's expensive and it, it's difficult to think about these things. But sometimes that is the the best and only option for your family's health. 
hopefully in your case that's not the case and again this this uh, episode is a primer on mold toxicity just to keep it in the back of your mind not every child will have this uh, you know a, a fairly small subset of, of children will be affected by this i would hope i would think although some research is showing otherwise recently but let's kind of wait for more more studies to come in before we can definitively say it but it's important to keep this information at the back of your head so if you run the organic acids test if those five markers that i talk about they're in my book in chapter three and obviously the great plains lab they have plenty of resources for you to read if those markers are elevated then you know what to do next and that's the most important thing i want to teach you is uh, the tools in your arsenal to um, identify and address your child's hidden health challenges. Okay, so that's a little primer on mold and mycotoxins. I hope that you found this episode useful and I hope to see you on the next one.